0: As we were singing that great hymn, two things ran through my mind. First was very personal, and I maybe said this before, but our whole family stood up at my father's memorial service and sang that song. Because death had not defeated, for he lives forever in Jesus Christ. And then I was thinking about this passage that I'm about to read, and how perfectly it fits with that passage. In all that the Apostle Paul says in Colossians. So we're going to turn to that passage right now. This is from Colossians chapter 2, beginning at verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given Fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In Him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the flesh, not with circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism and raised with Him through your faith in the power of God who raised Him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took away it, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Most of us who grew up in the church are familiar with circumcision and what the Old Testament teaches about that, but not everybody knows about circumcision. And so I thought I would talk about that for a while and, and how the covenant of circumcision came about. Abraham was the first to be circumcised in the Old Testament because he was the father through whom the covenant was made to all the people. And so he was circumcised for this specific purpose to set him apart from everyone else and his family as well. So this was a sign given to him that they were God's people set apart for him and his service. Every Israelite male would be circumcised on the eighth day to be set apart for service In God's kingdom. Now it was a sign. A sign to Abraham. It was a sign that he would see every day of his life. Absolutely every day of his life he would see this sign. I think that's one of the reasons why circumcision happened so that Abraham could never forget the covenant God had made with him. Many times every day, it would be right before him. And he would know that he was set apart as God's special person to bring Christ into the world eventually. Today, we are believers, and we are circumcised. Not by cutting off some flesh, but more significantly, by cutting off all flesh. Because through faith in Christ, we are circumcised in him, and all this flesh that we have is peeled away in God's covenant of grace. Our flesh. Because our circumcision unites us In the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is our circumcision. No circumcision happens without the shedding of blood. And Jesus shed his blood. And was circumcised on our behalf. That we would be part of his circumcision. And that's what this passage is really telling us. And what this glorious truth is. It's a very profound doctrine. And it's a mystery that we will probably delve into our whole lives. How our flesh has been circumcised in Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection. We receive this through faith in Jesus Christ. Faith as our Lord. You know, sometimes we can miss little words in Scripture. So then just as you receive Jesus Christ, could have stopped there, right? No, he says, as Lord. That is so significant. Because that means that he's the absolute ruler of our lives and everything about us. We received him as Lord through faith in him. And so he encourages those at Colossae, Paul does, to, to continue To live in him. You see we can try to live our lives on our own. Going back to the flesh. And we will fail. But if we live it in Christ. We will live it in a way that pleases him. And we are then circumcised in him. So he uses two figures that are important for us to grasp. The first is this, rooted in him. Rooted in him. Now, when I lived in California, I I really enjoyed the trees of California. Not the ones necessarily in the city, but I could travel to the mountains and I could see the mighty sequoia trees. And they were really amazing. You see a sequoia tree and a, you know, 25, 30 men with their arms outstretched Could go around that tree And just barely make it around the trunk of that tree They're magnificent trees The largest trees in the world Not the tallest, but the largest Because those trunks would go up for 100 feet or more And still be great in circumference So how does a tree With that kind of great mass Not fall over? Well, they sent out roots everywhere, in every direction. And some of the roots would be as tall as the tree. So they were on this incredible foundation of roots that would make them almost impossible to topple. So the snows would come sometimes 10, 15 feet of snow in the Sequoia area. And then they wouldn't topple over. It was very rare for them to topple over because they were rooted. They had that wonderful system of roots that would extend so far, so far. And then my favorite trees actually weren't the squoias. I always liked the redwoods, because they looked so magnificent and so tall and so straight. And they might be 12 to 15 feet in diameter, so their trunks were massive also. They were great, beautiful trees on the coast of California California some of our other states, but in California are some of the biggest ones, but their root system was different because it went down. I don't know if it went down as far as it went up, because some of them are over 300 feet tall, but it went down a long way, so it would be a strong system. They did have the little roots going out too to stabilize up top, but they were rooted, and we need to be rooted too. We need to be rooted in Christ. Because roots are the source of life. Those mighty trees would draw the water from a great area around them and they would be sustained. And so it is with us. We must be rooted in Christ. The life that is rooted in Christ is the life that endures. The life that is not rooted in Christ is the life that topples over. Sometimes, and I remember one particular redwood that fell down, and it was before the rangers were telling us what we could and couldn't do. I climbed up on top of it and walked on the top of this fallen tree. It was pretty magnificent but it fell. Probably because its root wasn't deep enough or the root wasn't solid enough to withstand the winter storms. You and I need to be rooted in Christ alone because there's no other place of security in this world. You must be rooted in him. You know if you're rooted in Him. Because when the storms of life come, and they always do come, you stand secure. In fact, you can almost be joyful and laugh at them because you can't touch me. I'm rooted in Christ. I'm solid in Him. So that's the first picture that He gives us. To be rooted in Christ. But then also to... be be built up in him. To be built up in him. And you have to do that by knowing him more and more. You have to think of what you were taught. Look on verse 7. Rooted and built up and strengthened in the faith as you were taught. You know, preachers don't just like to talk. They want you to be taught so that you will be rooted and built up in Christ. That's our purpose. Because the more you are connected to Christ, the more you live in him, the more secure and filled with peace you will be. And then something else happens. And overflowing with thankfulness. Overflowing with thankfulness. The more solidly you're rooted in Jesus Christ, the more you're built up in him, building upon what is taught to you, then you'll be filled with thankfulness. People are thankful when they're in Christ. They're overjoyed. This is the natural thing that the Apostle Paul wanted for the people in Colossae, And of course I do for you as well. Because all who are circumcised into Jesus Christ overflow with thankfulness. But then he gives a warning. Do not be taken captive by all of these hollow and deceptive philosophies. Now he doesn't mention them. But in that era there were two major philosophies that were going around. The one was the Stoic philosophy, and a lot of people followed that And they, This is the way they tried to endure life Well, it's just part of life I'm not going to be overly happy, I'm not going to be overly sad I'm just going to go through life Things happen in life That's just part of life Well, that's not very satisfying to me Stoics were relatively grumpy people, I think They just couldn't see anything good in life, you know Life is just this way. That's the way life is. Fate has it this way. I can't do anything about it. That's what a Stoic would say and do. And then there were the Epicureans, and they, they looked at life and said, Well, life is a disaster. Let's just eat, drink, and be merry for the mile we die. Let's just have a ball all the time. Let's forget about all this by escaping. We don't call those people Stoics and Epicureans anymore, but they're all around, aren't they? That's the way a lot of people live their life. Well, I'll just endure through this. I'll just go through it. I mean, this is what the Romans would do, you see. They, this was part of their, their life. You do not give in to anything. Now, the very strong people could do that, but the weak people could not. Very few people could in the final analysis. What good is it? It's an empty and hollow philosophy. It doesn't have any basis to it. Now, what do we have today? We still have those things today, we just don't call them by that name. What do people say today? Follow the what? Follow the science? Don't be a science denier! I, and I'm not saying science isn't a wonderful thing because science, we've learned a lot of things about God's creation and how to live in his creation. But what happens is it has become a hollow and deceptive philosophy in our age. Just follow the science. And so they'll throw out statistics that, I don't know where they get them from, you know, and how they make them up or whatever, but 94% of people do this, 76 do this, and, and this this will help you. You know, Don't you see commercials on T4... TV for medicine, they'll say something like, 93% of the people who take this are so much better. Their skin is so much more cleared up. How do I know? But, you know, then the people will say, well, you've you got to follow the science. You've got to trust the science. I'd rather trust the Creator and Savior, Jesus Christ. Not that I don't think science is important. But it's not my God. It's not going to direct me to do things. It becomes rather hollow and deceptive at times. Because you can make things prove whatever you want. But we're in Jesus Christ. We've been circumcised into him. He is our hope. Do I... Think science is a good thing? Absolutely. But I don't put my hope in science. I put my hope in Jesus Christ and nothing less. Because in Christ, we find the fullness of God. Elsewhere in Scripture, it says he's the exact representation of God. So if you see Christ and you know Christ... You know God. Christ was given in order that we would know God and go into Him. Through faith in Him, we too experience the fullness of God in Jesus Christ. And so it's so important to be in Christ, to be continuing in Christ. Because in Jesus Christ, we were circumcised. Now, I said it's not a flesh circumcision. It's a faith circumcision. Because we believe that the blood of Jesus Christ shed for us gives us all the benefits that Christ came to earn for us. It's so much better than the old covenant. That old covenant just pointed to Christ. Now, I doubt whether they knew Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all of the people who were circumcised after them. I doubt whether they actually knew how it was pointed to Christ and what would happen. But that was the purpose of it, to lead them to Christ and to lead us to Christ. In baptism, and most of you here have been baptized, I'm sure, you and I were buried with Christ. Now I've had the privilege of doing quite a few baptisms in my ministry. And, and part of the imagery that we miss with sprinkling is this imagery of being buried with Christ. And that's why I think immersion baptism Is so significant. Because there we see. Played out for us. What baptism signifies. That we are buried with Christ. Because when you're baptized that way. You're surrounded by all the water. You're under. And in California. We used to take people into the courtyard of the church. The church was in the shape of a U. And there was a courtyard in the middle. And we put a tank out there. And we did many baptisms in that tank because people could see then that they were buried with Christ. But we didn't leave them under the water because they were raised with Christ. They were buried with him and they were raised with him. And so it is. Having been buried with him verse 12 in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead if you were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ even if it was sprinkling because I'm not denigrating sprinkling by saying what I've said I'm just saying that that gives a clearer picture of what baptism signifies sprinkled, dunked you were buried with Christ through faith in him Through faith in him. That's why it's so essential that young people who have been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, according to the covenant promises, come and stand up here and say, I am in Christ. I've been buried with him. I've been raised with him. I belong to him. Nothing can separate me from Jesus Christ. I love it that parents bring their children and say that promise. But young people have to come, older people have to come and say, I believe the promise. I'm in Christ, buried with him and raised to eternal life in him. Because he has made us alive. He has made us alive. That old circumcision served its purpose, and now the new circumcision in Jesus Christ sets us apart forever and ever as his children. God has made us alive. He's canceled the debt. He's canceled it. All of your sins and my sins are forgiven in Jesus Christ. Apart from him, you and I have nothing. In him, we have everything. He nailed our sins to the cross You talked about those nails a little while ago, Brent. Those nails went in real flesh and blood in order to nail our sins to that cross. That's what he says. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature or flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins, having canceled the written code, having in its regulations that was against us and stood against us. He took it away, nailing it, To the cross, you by faith believe that your sins have been nailed to the cross, and that you are forgiven. And we are alive because we have been circumcised into Christ. Not only his death, but also his resurrection. And that cross made a public spectacle. Of all the authorities and powers of this world. And having disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them. Triumphing over them by the cross. That's what we've been circumcised into. Triumph in Jesus Christ. If you haven't read... C.S. Lewis and the Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe, I recommend that you do. Because it gives so many insights into the sacrifice and death of Jesus Christ. You know, just like in that story, if you know the story, the wicked witch thought that she had finally defeated the lion that the lion was going to have to die because there was a traitor and the lion must die. And so she slew the lion and he was dead. But what she did not know and what most of the world does not know is the victory of death. The victory of death. Because he who willingly gives his life for the sake of another, the perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ, who did not deserve to die, who gave his life willingly for you and for me, has defeated death. So though the darkest things of this world the rulers of this world, the people of this world, the prince of darkness himself thought at that moment they were victorious, they were utterly defeated because Christ could not be held by death. And he rose. He rose. And we are circumcised into him. He has ripped off our flesh in the great circumcision and we are in Christ. We are in Christ. Maybe it's been many, many years since you testified that you believe in Jesus Christ. That truth has not changed. In fact, the older I get, The more I realize that all I have is that truth that Christ died, that Christ rose, that I am in Him through faith, that I have been circumcised, that I cannot be separated from Him no matter what. Nothing else makes any difference. And if you know that to be true for you and you have not professed your faith in Jesus Christ yet, don't wait. What joy it will bring to this congregation to have some young people or even older people stand up and say, I believe in Jesus Christ. I've been circumcised into him. His death and resurrection are my death and resurrection. I belong to him for now and forever. Because the perfect circumcision has been achieved through Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but even as I'm speaking, I'm just being overflowing with thankfulness that God would reach down to rescue me out of this situation that I couldn't do anything about. He loved you and me so much that He did not leave us in our sin, but He rescued us through His death, burial, and glorious resurrection. Continue! Continue in Christ and in him alone. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, may we all be deeply, deeply rooted in you. May our roots reach out to you in every circumstance of life. May we be so stabilized because we are in you that all the storms of life, whether it is sickness or death or hardship or peril, or any power, anything else, will not be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ because we have been circumcised into him. Fill us with your goodness and grace, that your name will be glorified forever and ever. Amen.